Good to see everyone this morning. Um, if you have a Bible or an electronic Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 16. I think this is going to be the final week in our series, uh, Pandemic Christianity, a faith for such a time as this. And we've been looking at this verse. It's kind of, kind of grounding our reflections in this verse because I think it's a great template, not only for the Christian life, but maybe especially so during a pandemic where you kind of, a lot of the dross has to be burned away. You got to trim the fat, got to live a little bit more lean and focused. And maybe it's a bit more helpful to have a few key principles to focus on rather than trying to go too wide. And so this verse is incredibly helpful in its precision around priorities for the Christian life. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Again, good synopsis for what it looks like practically to follow Jesus every day, but very helpful during times where we need and benefit from almost like a mantra, a, a coming back to a center point. And this has certainly become my kind of pandemic life verse. Last week, we talked about a tool that you can use to stand firm in the faith. That's a New City Catechism. You can get all kinds of free resources, app, uh, guides on newcitycatechism.com and just talked about that process of question and answer and how it scales up and how you can play with it and be creative with it and turn it over and talk about it as a couple and your family in uh, small group settings and a mentoring relationship. I had a great connection point this previous week with a handful of people as we talked and prayed through the first question. As Rick mentioned, I'll be doing that again this Wednesday from noon till one. Um, but whether or not you plug into that or not, just dipping into the question into the scripture that it's connected to, reflecting on why is it written this way, praying through the themes, just doing that two or three times a week can be really, really helpful as a prompt to standing firm in the faith. And obviously with every week, right, things build. So we're gonna have 52 little building blocks of faith by the end of the, by the, end of the year. Okay, when it comes to practically manifesting the Christian faith, Verse 14 is a pretty good principle to live by. Do everything in love. Do everything in love. Amen. Now, that's a really high and holy calling. Certainly not easy. But it should animate anyone who has given their life to Jesus. Who says, I, I'm not sure where this is going to take me, God. But I trust you to lead me. I want to give you my life. I want to learn to follow you. I want to learn to do everything in love. Now, there are more precise instructions given in Scripture of what we can do as Christians. Help the poor, read your Bible, participate in church, uh, carry each other's burdens, um, be a faithful witness at work. But all of those things are to be done in love. So this is sort of like the framing posture that a Christian ought to move into their life with. Because you can do all of the things that I just mentioned without love in your heart. You can help the poor without loving them. You can read your Bible with indifference towards God. Um, you, can pray, you can pray with and for other people without loving them. You can go to church and participate in church. You can serve in church and not be doing it in love. You can go to work and um, be a model, upstanding, positive influence at work because of your behavior doing good things, avoiding negative or dysfunctional things, but it's still not animated or electrified by love. 
The goal of the Christian life isn't just to be behaviorally compliant in such a way that other people look at it and say, that's a nice person. It's to do things in a way that has people feel this thrust of they do things in love. And that comes through in ways big and small. So the calling here is to do everything in love. And if you break it down in the original language, it is exactly that. Genomai, which means to make happen or to make something come into, come into existence, to do it, to make it happen, make what happen? Everything, pass, is just a general um, statement to all things, all. Do all in love, agape. Different kinds of love within the Greek, different words could have been used. The word that's used here is agape, and it's the highest moral expression of love. It's the most comprehensive and holistic um, manifestation of love. You can have like brotherly love, like camaraderie. You can have uh, sexual and romantic love, eros. You can have different expressions of love, but agape love is something bigger and more expansive. It's a sincere, devoted intention to bless and to care for someone else. Agape love is a sincere, devoted intention to bless and care for another person. And so when the Spirit through Paul is saying, do everything in love, this is a very comprehensive vision. And it's a bottom line vision. You can't wiggle out of this as a Christian. This isn't one of those things where you're like, well, this is the contextual based on the culture. Like that was for them, but not for us. This, is, this lies very close to the heart of the Christian life. It gets repeated throughout the New Testament, especially in the places where Christians, like churches, are given direct instructions on what does it mean to follow Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. I've been baptized. I sincerely want to serve God. How do I do that? This virtue of love keeps getting um, celebrated and held up and foregrounded as the framing principle. Galatians 5, Paul writes, The first fruit of God's Spirit at work in us that he lists is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on and so forth. In Galatians 5 again, he says, the entire law, all of God's instructions, which are meant for our flourishing and our hope and our healing and our redemption and our help, all of them are fulfilled if you just kept one command, love your neighbors yourself. Yeah, there's different particularities of how you do that, but that's they all, Jesus said, they all hang on that one command. They don't make sense unless you understand them in the context of love. 1 John says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, and whoever doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. And then a few verses later he says, So we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And when Jesus is challenged with what's the most important commandment, which was a Jewish way of saying, of all the instructions God's given us, what's, what's the most important? Like they're all important. They're all a gift from God. God's helping us to live the life that he wants. But what's most important? And Jesus mentions too, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Love is the, is the cornerstone. It's... it's uh, yeah, it's, it's the heart. It's the animating principle of what God wants to do in us and through us. I hope we know that. I hope we 
have some kind of mechanism in our life to reflect regularly on our habits of heart, soul, mind, and strength and just say, am I doing everything in love? I might be doing good things. I could list maybe a lot of giving to the church. I'm kind to people. I'm uh, nice to my classmates. I uh, treat my family well. But is that animated by love? Do people feel that sense of love from me? Because the call is to do everything in love. And just in case we or the recipients of this letter, the Corinthians, weren't sure what love is, because even, especially for us maybe, the, the um, semantic range of what love is in our culture and what it means is pretty broad, right? It can mean anything from like, I love ice cream to, um, you know, I have an undying, high commitment level of devotion to you and I'll pledge my life to you. What is love? Well, Paul makes that clear a few chapters earlier. He literally delineates what God's perspective of love is, what God means when God says love. He says love is patient, and love is kind, and love doesn't envy, and love doesn't boast, and it's not proud, and love doesn't dishonor other people. Love doesn't seek what is expedient for itself. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Love doesn't keep records of wrongs done. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And the word failure there is probably best understood as it never ceases to persevere. It's this pursuing love. It's not meant as if, you know, in your romantic stage of your relationship you had infatuation and then it faded. It's not saying, oh, real love is just always in that infatuation stage or this high sense of emotionalism. The idea there is that love never gives up. When the one sheep is lost, the shepherd doesn't say, I looked for like a week or two, but uh, honestly, like it's it's starting to kind of crimp my style. I got I to get back to the 99 and just write that off as a business expense. It's a business loss. Move on. It keeps pursuing the one that's lost. It doesn't give up on the relationship. It doesn't lose heart and give in to despair. It's always pursuing. Now what's really lamentable is that this passage in 1 Corinthians 13 is rarely ever seriously entered into by Christians except at weddings, right? That's where we kind of hear it the most, and it's sort of like, oh, that's like the wedding, one of the big wedding verses. But this is a really, really good passage to consistently read, reflect on, meditate, chew on it, memorize it, ask God prayerfully, like, is this how I'm loving in my life? And if not, what's blocking it? And how do I move into this more, God? And, and I'll admit, I'm, I'm one of those people who, you know, when I was looking at it this week, I'm like, I don't know the last time I've really sat in 1 Corinthians 13 for a little bit. But these verses should be thoughtfully applied consistently to every part of our life. How are you going to do everything in love if you don't know what God's definition of love is and what he wants to build in you and what he wants to do through you. 
You can take 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, just that little piece, and you're going to get a lot of traction from saying, okay, how do I, what does it look like to apply this way of loving to my, how I use my money? Uh, how do I, what, is this, what does this kind of love look like? How does this interface with how I engage and express my sexuality? how I relate to those at my school, how I relate to people in my family system, um, whether it's nuclear family or extended network of relationships, how does this kind of love, if I'm to do everything in love and this is the kind of love that my life is to exhibit, what does that look like for me in my job as an employee? Maybe working with difficult people or as an employer with power and influence over people. Do everything in love, Paul writes to the Corinthians. And this is what he has in mind. This is, again, that high and holy calling. You'll never master it this side of heaven, but we're called to live into it and say, God, by your grace, by your Spirit's power, by the power of your word, I want to become this kind of a lover. Now, one of the nuances that I've found helpful personally in thinking about love and what it means to love people and probably like the last two years, I would say, is understanding this call to love, which for me can very easily slip, and it's not a negative thing, but it, it can be. For me, it has been. Slip into like, oh, that means like being nice and kind to people, is I sort of hold it in dynamic, I think synergistic tension with the Bible's call to honor other people. In Romans 12, Paul writes to the Romans and he says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. So he says, love one another. And they're like, yep. And, he's, and he puts a, a bit of a finer point on it. And he says, what that would look like is you each, don't wait for it to happen to you. You take the lead right where you are, whoever you are, you take the lead in showing honor to people around you. And I like that because for me that's a little bit different than like just being like nice to people around you. Or even sometimes because I don't have a sharp, high resolution understanding of what it means to love someone, substituting that language of honor, oh, that's helpful. First Peter 2.17 says, honor everyone. So it's not just these people, not just the people for whom it's easy to do that with, or your own inner circle or those in authority, or the poor, or the rich, or the Jew, or the Gentile, or the male, or the female. It's honor everyone. And to honor someone is to regard them highly. It's to make them a priority. Like you, if a person of great import to you, whether that's the prime minister, or maybe it would be some kind of celebrity or community leader, came to your home or came into your workplace, you would know instinctively in that moment how to change everything from what you were saying, how you're carrying yourself, how you're interacting with people around you, and certainly how you were interacting with that person to convey that you deeply respected them, that you recognized that they were someone of tremendous importance. And scripture says part of how we do everything in love is to cultivate by God's grace a view that we look at every single person gathered here and say that person 
is made in the image of God and they are deeply valuable. And I need to allow that to change how I interact with them. And then when I go into my marriage and I go into my family and I, and I go into my neighborhood, I go into my workplaces, it's the same thing. And sometimes we can get a little tired of the question like, oh, how do I be nice to people today or how do I love people today? But if you need a little bit of a, a kick in the pants, maybe just get up tomorrow and say, what does it look like for me to honor my spouse today? What does it look like for me to honor my children, to honor my coworker? Might be something small, could be something big, but asking that question and allowing yourself to kind of prayerfully play with it will allow you to move deeper into this vision of doing everything in love. Where you're not just doing the right things, but you're doing them in the right way, with the right heart. Do everything in love. That's a big vision. It's made maybe bigger during a pandemic where it's, it's a little bit easier to kind of be tempted to bend towards self-concern. And I know it's a big vision to do everything in love, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Doing everything in love can be pursued in a way that is actually really creative and interesting and stimulating and electrifying. And I might challenge those here who feel disengaged or, if you're just honest, sort of like bored with the Christian life, that in rediscovering what it means to do everything in love, that will, um, that will dislocate that boredom very, very quickly. Boredom in the Christian life um, can have many, many roots, but one of the roots is we started doing things in love. We've now continued behaviorally doing the right things, but we've lost the heart somewhere. We're doing our devotions, we're going to church, we're serving, but it's always with like, yeah, it's like duty. You're not driven by the beauty of God. It's just duty. And, you know, you're not living in resentment or anything. It's just, it is what it is but you've lost this deeper posture of, I'm not doing these things in love. I'm serving people from the outside, looking in, other people might say, hey, Jeff's got a pretty solid life. But from the inside out, it's not love. It's not being driven by love. To love people well, you don't need to know every nuance about them. You don't need to know their personality type or their Enneagram type or all the hills and valleys of their history, I would submit that a very practical step in just learning to do everything in love is to simply focus on one thing, and that is, how do I be a blessing today? How do I be a blessing? How can I bless someone today? In the Covenant Church, we use this acronym, BLESS. Begin with prayer, listen with care, eat experience together, serve in love, share your story as a simple acronym to say, this is the practical manifestation of love. You could do these things, you know, some of these things without love, but when these things are done with love, like, sky's the limit of what God's going to do in that situation, in that person's life, in your heart, and in your life. Right? When you go out of your way to bless someone, you are very tangibly manifesting love in their life. You're revealing and showing love. When you begin with prayer, right? Like think about what prayer is. 
even if you're not with the person, what you're saying is, I will sacrifice my own time, which is valuable, and I'll set aside time in order to pray for this person, pray for this situation, to intercede for that person. Paul writes to Timothy, in his first letter he says, in chapter 2, I urge you, first of all, so he's training a young pastor, first out of the gate, Timothy, first of all, all petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. Be praying for everybody in your church. Be praying for governing authorities for everybody. Give you thanks to them, praying for them. When we pray for people, that is a very tangible way to love and to honor them. They will feel that most powerfully if we're praying together with them. But even just to pray for them in their absence is powerful. L is listen with care. This is really, really important. Many people deeply experience attentive, unhurried listening with love. We're living in such a fragmented, distractionary world where there's so many stimuli that many people have gotten used to their face-to-face, in-person interactions with people to be such that they are hurried and that they have a sense that while the person is connecting with them, they're also getting ready to move on to the next thing. There's kind of this, um, there's lots of white noise happening at the mental level. And whether that tell is they're feeling jittery or the tell of, and this is a psychological tell uh, that you learn in social psychology, but when you're talking to someone and their body posture is turned in any way, including their foot, it usually means they're looking for an exit, unconsciously. They're, they're kind of, they're ha- one foot in this conversation, one over here. And so when you come across someone, even if it's for 30 seconds, who just squares up to you and is able, even imperfectly, to pause the, the, all the white noise static in their own mind, the distractions, and say, how are you doing? And to sit there with that, one minute, five minutes, 15 minutes, that feels really loving. It feels very honoring because that person feels like, this person's probably really busy. They can be doing lots of stuff. We could, they could just be like, check in, how's it going? Good, awesome, see you around, boom, move on to the next person. They're, they're taking time to sit with me and to hold space. That's really important. Galatians 6 says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you're gonna fulfill the instructions of Jesus. I don't know how you carry people's burdens if you don't sit with people long enough to hear them and to really feel them, as awkward and messy as that might be. And a pandemic is a great time to improve your listening skills because all of us have been kind of forced to slow down and live at the speed of love. And what I mean by that is, in a pandemic, there's a lot of these um, external activities, whether it's sports or hobbies or get-togethers with other people, those have diminished. We have more margins, which means we actually have more space just to connect to people phone someone, connect over Zoom and say, hey, let's just connect for half an hour. I want to see how you're doing. Want to pray together or whatever. Let's go for coffee. We have more margins. We can slow down. We don't have to pack our day and our week so tight with many, many good things that, yeah, we're we're connecting with people, but it's like, okay, you got me for 30 seconds, Anna, and then, okay, great, awesome. We'll, We'll connect two months from now, and I move on. It's a real gift that we can give to learn to listen with care eat and experience together. Jesus models this really well. He's always eating with people. He's always inviting people into mission. 
Hey, fishermen, you like to fish? Come with me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Hey, tax collectors and sinners, people who the religious um, caste of society say are unworthy to be engaged with for any God-fearing Jew, but certainly for a distinguished rabbi, I'm going to come close. I want you to, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come over to your house. Let's hang out tonight. I want to talk. I want to share. When we eat together, when we experience things together with people, they feel loved, right? Like when you go out of your, when I go out of my way with my kids to say, hey, I've got some time this Saturday. Do you want to do something with that? And let them choose. That feels very honoring. That feels very loving. And when we do that with each other, hey, do you want to come for a hike? Do you want to, hey, do you want to come out for a coffee? Or there's a bunch of people getting together for a book club. Do you want to join us? Even if you say no, even if you're like, oh, I'd love to, but I can't, it still feels good to get the invite. You still feel honored that someone like went out of their way and was like, hey, I thought of you. Don't know if this is on your radar. Maybe it's last minute, but do you want to connect? Oh, I can't, but hey, thanks for the invite. You still like walk a little bit like lighter for the rest of the day. Obviously serving together, And this is important because love makes things better. Like to do everything in love isn't just to talk the right game, to know all the right answers, to be eloquent in your speech, or even in the way that you um, uh, posture or share or signal to other people. It's about tangibly helping people, making a difference in their lives. That's why James says in James 2, listen, if you have a Christian brother or sister and they don't have clothes, they don't have food they can eat, And what you say to them is, go in peace, stay warm, be well fed, but you don't give them those things, what good is that? So James is really leaning into Christians who, for whatever reason, would say, what's the intention, right? Like, it's like, oh, I I want these things for them and and bless you, and I hope you, you know, I, I, I want to pray for God's blessing and favor over you. I hope you find a meal to eat. James says, no, like, when you're in a position to serve and help them, you do that. Because love makes things better. It's not just about the words. It's about tangible impact. And lastly, sharing your story. That's one way that we can love people. And sometimes that's sharing the story of our faith, what God has has done in our life. It might be just in a small way. Maybe it's an older mother mentoring a younger mother and sharing some of the vulnerabilities that they felt as a young mom. And just, um, yeah, sharing their own heart and saying this is what works, maybe it's a mentee relationship, a peer mentoring thing, maybe it's even apologizing, just say, hey, you know what? I did this. I think because of what I've been thinking through or wrestling with or caring or because of this in my past, I jumped too much here, I said this in haste, I said this in anger, or I was just in a really foul mood and I need to own that and I wanna say I'm sorry, right? That's part of sharing the story of what God is doing in your life. And those are important ways to honor someone and to love someone. So when you go out of your way to bless someone, when you offer to pray for them, when you sit and listen, when you go for a hike or play a game with them or invite them out for a meal, when you offer a specific encouragement to them, even just over text, write a handwritten letter, email, um, an extra five minutes in a parking lot when you run into them, just as a check-in. When you offer practical um, practical resources towards them, maybe helping them with a repair, going grocery shopping for someone who can't do that for themselves. People experience love. They feel honored. And if you want to learn to do everything in love, 
that's the trajectory that we're on. Like, that's where we're moving towards. That's what we should be moving towards. Now, I'm a person who in my life, and maybe it's stage of life, maybe it's my mentality, maybe it's my temperament, but I like to kind of take these big ideas and make them really <laughs> tight and simple and clear so that I can just integrate them, integrate them into my life right away. And if you want a very lean and mean training regime for making serious spiritual gains quickly and effectively without a lot of complications, then I would just try experimenting with this kind of one-two punch of daily discipleship. It doesn't have to be the New City Catechism, but use the New City Catechism and use this acronym prayer. And every day, review the catechism, pray through it, read the scripture that it's based on. You're not doing a new question every day. You're doing the same question for a week. So it's more like a meditation. If, you, if you're like, that's not my thing. I'd have my own devotional thing. Great. I, I, don't, I don't really care how you're engaging God's word prayerfully. But if you're doing that every day to ground yourself in the faith, and then before you leave your bedroom, not your home, your bedroom, you say, God, give me a heart to see all the different ways that I can bless people today. Maybe it's one person specifically, but I want to be a blessing. I'm going to look for a way to bless. And that just becomes, again, this, um, this anchor point to how you start your day. Man, your, your faith is going to get energized really quick. You are going to find yourself engaged really quick. God will absolutely honor that prayer. He will show you all kinds of ways for you to bless tangibly people around you, to walk in love, to do everything in love. You will find yourself electrified. It will be exciting. And as you do it, and as you look for creative ways to do it, it will just build momentum in your life. If you only did those two things, like if someone just became a Christian and they were like, Bible seems bigger and intimidating, I think I'm supposed to love God, love people. Okay, get it, I think, but I don't really know what that means for me in this area of my life. I'd say, let's just start here. Start learning what Scripture says. Start looking for ways to be a blessing. Start moving through. Maybe you take each letter as a day of the week. Whatever. Be creative with it. Do it every day. One a day. It doesn't matter. The point is to be saying, God, I want to learn to do everything in love. Now, I do want to make this easier for a few of you this week. And so uh, some of you, when you came in, were given a gift certificate to a different place. I have different places, different values of the gift certificates. And um, just as a jump start for you, you were meant to have that gift card. I want you to prayerfully, starting tonight, say, God, show me who I need to put this into the hands of this week. That, is, that card is not for you. It's for someone else in your life you're going to come across and you're just going to pray starting today. Maybe it'll happen this afternoon. Maybe it'll happen next Saturday morning. But you're going to pray and say, I want to be a blessing this week. God, would you make it really clear at some point when I overhear something, when I see something? Could be a family member. Could be someone at school. Could be someone at work. Could be someone that you run into on Baker Street. Doesn't matter. You're just going to be prayerfully attentive. And the rest of us are going to go with that same mentality. We don't have a gift card, but we're still going to move through our day saying, how can I be a blessing to one, even one person today? Intentionally be a blessing. And if they ask you why you're doing that, you don't have to play possum and be shy. You can just be, well, honestly, like I was just challenged at church to look for a way to bless and care for someone this week and you came to mind, or I heard this, or I know that you're going through this, and I 
just thought this would be helpful for you. People think it's awesome. If we want to walk in love, if we want to do everything in love, then we have to put flesh on what that concept looks like. And one of the best ways we can do that is to move into and through our days with the question of, God, how can I be a blessing to those around me? How can I honor those around me on our lips? Let's pray. God, I thank you that we can love and we can learn to love like this because we have the ultimate example. We love because you first loved us. And it's in receiving and understanding that love that we're really given new spiritual eyes to see in a heart that instead of a heart of stone that is bent towards self-interest is actually bent towards blessing and honoring others. And I pray that our church use these gift certificates this week, God, and as people um, use those or add to those or other people in this uh, time use that as a prompt to say, hey, I'm going to do that too. God, would you use that powerfully to speak to people in our community and our families and our workplaces that are really struggling. Would you, um, as small and as meager as some of these little, uh, the, the value of these cards are, I really pray that in the sharing of them, that there it would just be a tidal wave of love that's, exper- that's experienced by people on the receiving end, God. Teach us to be a church that does everything in love, God. What a high and holy calling, and it's one that we ask that you would Um, you would bring about in and through this church. In Jesus' name, amen.